This is The Force Unscripted. I am so happy to be here again with the second part of our Ahsoka series, our little two-part series that we have talking about the intricacies of the series itself, what we liked, what we don't like, all the cool stuff. Me and Hunter have been absolutely geeking out about this show. It's just been a fantastic, you know, Star Wars media. And it's just, it's it's one of those things that, as I say every week, it makes us really geek out about this kind of stuff. And so I'm just, I'm happy to uh, get to continue our conversation about the Ahsoka series. So, uh, so Hunter, what were your, uh, what were your thoughts on that, uh, that finale the finale was, I thought it was good. It was a very big cliffhanger, uh, literally for some people. And there's a lot of unanswered questions. I really hope that there's a season two. I didn't see if there was an announcement for a season two. I know there's going to be the movie uh, coming eventually to, you know, tie it all together. But there were definitely a lot of plot lines that were uh, left, you know, open-ended. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, but I'm not disappointed with how it ended. I think... I was worried that they were going to try and wrap it up too quickly in that last episode. So I'm glad that the plot lines were kind of left cliffhangery because I, I was worried that it was just going to be too rushed and uh, like the, the quality was going to drop there at the end. I think that was something that we were all kind of worried about, or at least like, you know, like the diehard Star Wars fans, because you're right. There are a lot of a lot of plot points that they didn't kind of tie up. So that makes me think that there is going to be another season because there's there's so much like what happens to Shin? What? is Balin going for you know what's Thrawn about to do when he realizes <laughs> that uh Anakin Skywalker's son is the person who overthrew the entire empire like it's there there's a there's a lot there to uh kind of unpack and and that's basically some of the stuff that I I wanted to kind of hint at and talk about during this episode the biggest thing that I really want to to mention and start off with is Balin I I was very interested to see where his character was headed. We had the talk about how he's not a Sith, he's a dark Jedi. And he did a lot of interesting things. I kind of saw, if I'm being honest with you, I kind of saw that coming with the, the Shin thing. I, I I really did believe Bonk Bonk's prediction in the the bonus episode last episode about how he was saying that he thinks that he thought that shin was going to kill balin and for for a while like i i really thought that but more so i figured he was going to deviate from wherever thrawn was headed that was that was one thing that i felt like for sure was going to happen and it ended up happening and i thought that that was pretty cool there's been a lot of speculation about what he's going after i've seen all sorts of theories I tend to stand by the fact that because we got Anakin involved in this with the world between worlds and him assuming the role of the father and speculation that Ahsoka is the daughter, I really do think that he is seeking Abeloth. Is it even speculation <clears throat> that she's the daughter? Because she's got the life force of the daughter. Morai follows her around and we even see Morai at the end there. Like, is it really speculation that she's the daughter? Okay, then who's the son? You can't have well, the daughter without the son. That's what makes that's me... That's true, but the, the statues at the end indicate that the daughter is dead, and the son, we assume he's dead. We know he's dead from what happened in the, the Clone Wars, but clearly he hasn't been, like, reincarnated. So we've got Anakin is now the father. We're saying he's the father. Ahsoka is the daughter, and we they've both been, like, reincarnated, dead and then 
become the thing because Ahsoka did die. So, so I'm getting my star killer. Isn't I'm not saying anything about star killer. I'm getting my star killer. Saying it only I'm makes not sense. Saying anything about star killer. I don't care what you're not saying. I'm getting my star killer. <laughs> but uh maybe we just haven't seen the sun yet maybe he isn't born maybe shin will be the son or maybe balin will take that role i mean balin is trying to be the father clearly we see that when he's standing on the father's hand he's trying to take that role the balance we see like he's not as ambitious as shin and he's not as like calm and collected as ahsoka is at least after you know she she worked with anakin in the world between worlds so he's he's definitely going for that middle ground balance jedi but dark dark jedi kind of thing but i don't think he's gonna obviously not gonna make the cut because anakin already has taken that role uh so potentially when he's like rejected or turned down or whatever maybe he'll maybe he'll get angry for the first time maybe he'll show us some like you know loss of composure that'd be cool to see obviously it's gonna have to be recasted unfortunate uh you know r.i.p but you know, th there's promise for where it could go from here. Yeah, that's true. And 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 just to like kind of follow up on on what I was saying before that little part is, I, I really do think that he is uh he's seeking Abeloth or whatever the the I don't know if Abeloth is going to be in canon, but I think he's seeking whatever the equivalent, whatever the Force deity equivalent of Abeloth in canon would be. There's also what some is people Abeloth. Abeloth was a force deity in the Legends timeline that was locked in the Maw, which is in the Kessel system. And it's a cluster of black holes that was moved there by Centerpoint Station to hold her in check. So it's like literally a black hole prison, essentially. The only way to get into the Maw is to navigate through the cluster of black holes, which seems impossible, but Luke Skywalker did it with just the force and they found the Maw installation, which is like an area inside of this cluster that's somehow normal. They sent Admiral Dalla there. She was the one who developed or helped develop super weapons with Quizux, who in the Legends timeline is who developed the Death Star. But they changed who developed the Death Star in Legends. And so Abeloth was trapped in there during that time. Uh, she kind of messed with a lot of the young Jedi at the time invading their mind and kind of planning herself in there so that they would seek her. And it ended up, she ended up terrorizing the galaxy. Luke ends up killing her four different times. Saba ends up ripping her throat out one time, which is still one of my favorite moments in the, in the Legends timeline. And she's just a menace. But her whole story was that the father existed with the daughter and the son and she came, she was like a maid or something, like a, like a housemaiden or something. Um, yeah, she became um, one of them because of the, she drank from the the well of, or the fountain of wisdom and power, right? She drank from both of them and got, she became like them through the, the fountains? Yes, yes, she did. Yeah. And, but she became corrupted by them. And so the father saw that she was no longer the person that they had come to love as a part of their family. So they locked her away. She became a backdoor hoe. Literally. And um, the son and the daughter were the keys to keeping her in prison. So they would, once every, was it a couple hundred years? Like 500 or was it a thousand? Every, every so often, they would go to the Killix. And they would, Killix are like a hive mind insect-like species. Um, they would go to the Killix and they would mind meld. They would merge their minds, the son and daughter, with the Killix. And they would like re-up the protections that were holding Abeloth in place. So when the son and daughter died... In Clone Wars, 
that was the catalyst for her being released from the prison, like the initial catalyst. And the reason that those children were affected uh, and like drawn to her is because the, the Jedi hid the children in the Maw. They didn't know Abeloth was there. Uh, they hid them in the Maw, like... Was it during Vong War, right? Yep, was yep, it was during the use, no, yeah. it was during the use on Vong War. Yeah, so just during the Vong War, and then uh, Abeloth was able to affect their minds because they're basically in the prison with her almost. Like, they're just outside the prison, outside the walls, so she was able to connect with them. And then they were drawn back through the Maw uh, to, to try and, you know, release her, which uh, obviously, eventually she is released and terrorizes the galaxy. She does pull a uh, similar kind of thing to Palpatine where she tries to take over the Galactic Senate, but she's a little little better at it because she can shape shift of sorts, like take over people's bodies and shapes. So she is able to impersonate people, whereas, you know, Palps had to actually be himself. I think they both did it excellently. They they had their own ways, but Abelos was definitely a lot of, I don't even want to say sneakier. It was just a lot more straightforward, like if you knew what she was doing. Because Luke knew what she was doing. It was aggressive, for sure. She was definitely, like, hardcore, we're taking over the galaxy right now kind of thing. Whereas Palpatine was like, I have a plan. Palpatine's plan spanned over, like, 17 years. She did it in a couple of months. <laughs> she, yeah. she was like, I'm going for it. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that, that he was searching Abeloth or whatever the canon equivalent would be. There was also another theory that I read is that he's trying to pull a, a Darth Nihilus from uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 and destroy the Force, which I thought might be a little ostentatious of a theory. However, I, I don't want to doubt anything because I have seen how Disney will take and pull certain things from, from Legends stuff, EU stuff, and kind of you know, incorporate them. So I don't want to completely push that theory out of the thing. I don't think it's lightly, likely, but I thought it was interesting to hear that. Like to, to see that, uh, that, <laughs> that Balin would be trying to destroy the forest. That, that would be, uh, that would be quite, that would be quite interesting. If they actually did that, I would like to see how they, they would, they would push that, that through. I think, um, it's more likely than you're, I think you're underestimating the likeliness of that just because, I, earlier in the series he did kind of the, the way he was talking indicated that he was actually trying to destroy the force he was trying to end it all he was trying to to stop the cycle those were his words i believe or very close mm -hmm. to his words so i do think um you know at the end we see that blinking light in the distance you know surrounded by the the mountain ranges which does look eerily similar to how mortis looked from you know zoomed out perspective but i i do think that it's not as far-fetched as you think if it, if he's not looking for abeloth or the equivalent i do think he's looking for like the quote-unquote origin of the force and he is trying to end the force obviously the mortis gods were part of this galaxy too because their statues are there they wouldn't be there if they didn't have some role in this galaxy so potentially even mortis was here or came from here there's a lot of you know tie-ins there so I mean, it could be the origin of the force or it could you know the most evil thing we've ever seen so i'm i'm glad you mentioned that because that wanted to that that, that brings me to my next point which is i have a theory that mortis sort of functions like in a way that possibly Zonama Seacott did, if you remember Zonama Seacott, the living planet from uh, the Legends timeline. Yeah, give me a refresher on that one. So for those of you who don't know, Zonama Seacott was a force, a, a living planet, like a, a force-enriched planet that Obi-Wan and Anakin stumble upon uh, about six years before the Clone Wars stops. And there is a Jedi Knight there, her name is Vergare, 
And this is the first, like, w w they're called the Outsiders. We see them attack the planet Zodama Seacott uh, in this series. And they're called the Outsiders, but we found out later that those are indeed the Yuzong Vong. But what was cool about this planet is that it had these seeds that would attach themselves to people who were going to have a ship. You had to have um, seeds to make a ship. Now, Anakin, being Anakin, he had nine seeds that attached to him, which was unprecedented. Most people would have like two, four would be the max, but he had nine. So that meant his ship that would be created from those seeds would just be like super powerful in the force, tied to him. Absolutely amazing. It was a great story. But basically the planet being a living planet also had like its own living hyperdrive that it could jump but it would destroy the planet briefly and because it's a planet jumping through hyperspace. Um, and then it would sit there, rest for a while, and then, you know, rebuild itself. And so during the Yuzong Vong War, they think that this planet, since since the, the whole thing about the Vong is living technology, sort of. It's not technology because they, they, they consider, like, technology an abomination. But this is like a living thing, so they're, they're okay with it. They figured that... The Jedi, at least, figured that this planet has some connection to the Vong and some secret to to defeating the Vong. So they go out and search for this planet that kind of moves around the galaxy. So it's it's really hard. So they have to like go through archives in the Chiss Ascendancy to try to figure out sightings of this planet, like where it had come from, where was it last seen, how long was it seen. So I, when I saw the fact that the Mortis statues were there, I was wondering if maybe the realm exi exists in kind of like the same way or in something similar, where it's like a realm that can move between galaxies that can go from one place to another or if it's just simply there's like a mortis outpost here there's a mortis outpost in the other galaxy there's mortis outposts across the star wars like universe and i th those were the two theories that i came up with but i would i would think it would be really cool if they somehow tied in mortis's existence to zonama seacott because that would be really cool in my opinion because i love i loved the entire story of that how they tied in zonama seacott with verger before the clone wars turned the outsiders into the yuzong vong which we see in the new jedi order and so i i think it would be a really good tie-in to bring to the canon timeline i don't know if you had any thoughts on that yeah so and talking about those like ships if you've ever played the game no man's sky they have living ships that basically fit the bill Anyone that's ever played that will kind of know what a living ship is. It's it's like that. But I just had another thought along the lines of like the the moving the moving planet and whatnot. What if the place that Balin is going to is actually where like the world between worlds is? What if that's like the engine for the world between worlds, or even like the host for the world between worlds? So he's going to the physical location where the world between worlds like resides but you can access it from anywhere through the force or through those portals because they were tied to the mortis gods for instance that mural that ezra uh used maybe maybe that just gives you access to the physical place that is the the world between worlds and maybe that's where anakin is waiting i mean we did see anakin's ghost on the planet so he does he is capable of going to the other galaxy through the force i mean why why wouldn't he be able to it's the force but maybe balan's trying to destroy the world between worlds i feel like that theory has some credibility for sure. Absolutely. I also think that in regards to the planet itself, the planet has to have some kind of significance past 
when Thrawn leaves. Just by the fact that the Night Sisters are there. The Night Sisters wanted to escape. They were they were running away from something. They were afraid. There was like a darkness on the planet that they were they were trying to get away from. They kind of mention it very briefly uh, when they're talking. Oh, I might have missed that. Okay. So and all those little stasis pods. I think those are Night Sisters because it, they mentioned that Thrawn woke up the the three that he woke up from stasis. So they were in stasis, uh, and then I think all those other pods are other sisters, and they're trying to get their people away from whatever scared them enough that the A went into stasis, and B are trying to escape to a completely different galaxy. They're afraid of something, uh, and Thrawn also does not want to deal with whatever it is they're afraid of. That just makes me think that it's more reason to believe that it's Abeloth, because Abeloth was a scary creature. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, there's there's definite signs that it is something big and important and scary. Uh, I was just going to ask, uh, where do the sisters draw their power from? Is it the Force, or is it something else entirely? It's still the Force. It's just the, the, the way that they channel the force is more through like spells not not quite alchemy um it's just a it's like there are different interpretations throughout the star wars universe on how to be a conduit of the force so you have like the jinsari you have the Falanasi, you have the jedi you have the witches of dathomir and you also have the night sisters which the witches of dathomir and the night sisters are basically the same thing just kind of like a very small tiny difference but it's it's just they are force users they just the culture of which they come from affects how they are a conduit to the force think like uh warlocks sorcerers wizards that kind of thing from from like dungeons and dragons you know the difference between between those some are like more innate some use the spells that kind of thing i think it's more like that they all use magic of some kind uh, but they have different ways of accessing it okay so yeah i always call them the of Dathomir, especially after playing Jedi Fallen Order, and just because of some of the stuff that they do in the in the series, but yeah, they're they're still Force users. They're more aligned with the dark side. That is that is their thing. So like the different, I guess factions, Force factions, you can call them. So like the Witches of Dathomir, the Night Sisters, they lean more towards the dark side. The Jedi and the Fallen Aussi lean more toward the light side, or in the Fallen Aussi's case, the White Current. And then the Jinsari are like somewhere in between. They're like more gray. So they all kind of have their leanings. One other thing that I, I kind of wanted to uh, mention, because I think I thought it was so funny that what was it? Episode, I think it was episode four when we get Ahsoka the White, like in the white robes, that everyone just started calling her Ahsoka the White. And then I sat there and I was thinking, I was talking to my friend Gabby about this. And I was like, did they rip off Tolkien that hard? And I, we were sitting there and talking about it. And I was thinking, I was like, I mean, yeah, technically, because it was Ahsoka. She fell into like an abyss into the ocean and then came back the white. And I was just thinking about like Gandalf. Like he was like, run, you fools, fell into the, the chasm and came back Gandalf the white. I was like, Star Wars literally ripped off Lord of the Rings. <laughs> And if you if you look at the episode title for episode eight, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord, that's hundred <laughs> percent a tie to Narnia. And yeah. Lewis and Tolkien were good friends. Like it's, <laughs> it's all a tie in there. They were good friends. They were buddies. So like Tolkien, <laughs> you know, Narnia, that kind of stuff. It's all it's all tied in right there. Yeah, a beautiful culmination of sci sci fi uh, love. It was it was it was so funny. I said I was just sitting there thinking I was like, huh? Yeah, yeah, they. They definitely ripped off Lord of the Rings. 
It was pretty good. What did you think about um, Ezra's new lightsaber incorporating that identical piece that? Uh, oh, Kanan the uh, the Kanan emitter. I I love that. Yeah. That that warmed my heart. It it almost brought a tear to my eyes, especially when I forget what the droid's name is. Huyang. But he oh yeah Huyang. He was like uh, I only had one left for when he came back, and I was like mm, oh. But yeah, was, that, I, I thought, thought that was a very touching touching uh, moment in the the series. And he did it so fast too. Oh, let's let's talk about. How how much faith Ezra has in Sabine? Because the first time <laughs> she ever uses the Force, she's like using it in assistance to like push open a door, and like they they get it open. But then immediately she's like, "All right, jump over this this big ass gap onto that star destroyer, and I'm gonna push you." I would have been like, "Please, uh, uh-uh, uh, you just got your Force powers. I am not about to let you do this." But the faith that he had, and she pulled it off too. I was so proud of her. That was awesome. That was honestly awesome. I, I really liked that. And I didn't think it was too far-fetched because in episode five, Empire Strikes Back, we see Luke struggle to pull his lightsaber out of the snow as the the, the Yeti. I forget the name of the Yeti. It's coming after him, right? Um, oh, the Wampa? Yeah, the Wampa. is coming after him in the cave and he's struggling to get that lightsaber. And his life, the closer his life is to being in danger, the more he's able to pull it and eventually he gets it cuts himself free and defeats the wampa well sabine same thing she's getting choked out she hasn't been able to use the force so far trying to like meditate and concentrate and that kind of thing but when her life is in danger she's able to access the force she's able to bring the lightsaber to herself to save herself in her like time of greatest need but then she has the feel for it now she's like oh that's what the force feels like okay i think i can use it to push you know i did it a, i did a pull let's try a push you know when you when you've done something for the first time correctly you kind of get a feel for it and then you can like replicate do it again that kind of thing that's the repetition makes you know practice makes like, perfect kind of deal like riding a bike yeah so like and exactly once you take off the training wheels and you start going the first time and all of a sudden you're pedaling down the street and your dad's screaming in the background like yeah you know same kind of thing you get a feel for it and then you can keep going keep going uh so she just kept up that momentum and pushed him across i thought it was i didn't think it was too far-fetched no i didn't think it was far-fetched at all i just think if i i was just saying ezra has a lot of faith in her because ain't no way i'm i'm gonna let a a new push me across a a ledge like that ain't no way but i'm sorry did he even know (laughs) did he even know did she tell him that she was weak in the force i don't think she did so he was just like no she's been training she's been training with ahsoka she must know what she's doing maybe but the way that he was talking to her before made it seem like he also knew when they were like discussing it with the i forget what the 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 race of the the nodi is that what they're called The, the nodi yeah yeah yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think he knew. I think he knew. Also, that's a, that's the kind of thing like a Jedi would pick up on if someone's like not strong in the Force. I guess maybe he just picked up on the fact that she had tapped into it finally and was now like understanding things. And she she lets go uh, of her like attachment to Ezra there, which I thought was a great redeeming moment for her, especially after we had just gotten the the speech or the you know the little talk from ahsoka where she's like my master always stood by me no matter what mistakes i made no matter what choices i made and he was the only one that stood by me so i'm gonna stand by you even though you messed up and sabine realizes like yeah i really wanted to see ezra that was my the thing holding me back but now i've saved ezra i've seen him i'm sending him home now my place is here with my master i'm here to learn i'm ready to to become what i'm meant to be and i think that's why she senses or maybe even sees i don't know if she sees but senses uh anakin's ghost there as because she's kind of become part of that legacy you know anakin yoda dooku 
Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon. She's become part of that legacy and now she's she's let go. She's becoming the Jedi that, you know, she was being trained to be. I will say not necessarily the plot points that they closed, but the stuff that they did like kind of round out towards the end there were done really well. I was so happy to get to see Hayden Christensen again at the end as a as another Force ghost. Like like I said, one of the things that we never got in the Legends timeline was Anakin as a Force ghost. We got him that one time when he apologized to Leia and that was it. Now we've seen him multiple times. It just it makes me happy it makes me think that they're going to have more tie-ins with him i really want him to come out the way okay so in in episode five when obi-wan and yoda are talking and yoda is obi-wan's like he was our last hope and yoda's like no there is another i really want anakin to come out to ahsoka or something and be like i was the only one you trained and then he'd be like no there is another and then that's when we get star killer and the sun and i'll be happy and then i rub it in your face and call you a little if it happens <laughs> i'll eat my words yet again i'll i'll, I'll take the fall <laughs> I, hey look i only derive happiness when i can get you to eat your words it's just a beautiful moment man look i don't i don't mind being wrong actually i prefer to be wrong because some of my theories i hate and then i'm right and then it makes me sad because i didn't want it to be true I just they're never they're never gonna make Star Star Killer canon. They couldn't. He was too broken. I know. So even in the Legends timeline, the Force on the Force unscripted, uh, the Force Unleashed two was not canon. The Force Unleashed the first one was. The second one was just a game that they made for money, and it was a cool story. But the first one actually is canon to the Legends, if that makes sense. But I just think he would be too. They would have to nerf him hardcore if they wanted to make him an actual character. So I don't I don't think that he'll actually be I mean, I'ma still hope, but I think the Inquisitors were meant to be Starkiller's replacement in canon. I think the Inquisitors were what they decided to go with instead of giving Vader an apprentice. Just give him the Inquisitors, let him kill him off as need be. Same kind of vibes, like I'm way better than you, and as soon as you fail me, you're you're gone, you're cut, uh, literally. So I don't think they'll bring in Starkiller. I don't I don't have high hopes for Starkiller. Will they bring in Sam Witwer to voice something? Probably. Absolutely. He's too good at what he does. He's, that is a, a beautiful great, man. Uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> he's great in everything he's done for, for Star Wars. And uh, I hope we see him some more. What did you think about uh, Morgan? Morgan's uh, level up there at the end. My Okay, so my favorite part of that whole thing with Morgan Elsbeth was the sword itself. Because... If you know anything about the Jedi of 25,000 years before that time, before lightsabers were a thing, when people were still shooting bullets in the Star Wars universe, they had force-imbued swords. And it really made me think about that, the Sword of Talzin, and like the, 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 that, that time period of way back when, which is also another thing that makes me think that like Abeloth or some kind of force deity is coming because... Force-imbued swords are something that have been gone for tens of thousands of years. And I don't know that ex exactly that it's a Force-imbued sword, but I mean, it, it seems like it would be. Like, what else would it be? Like a dark, even if it's like a dark energy, it's still a power-infused sword, which is not iconic to that time period, but the time period of whatever the High Republic, whatever you want to call it at this point even before the high republic actually this was when jedi and sith were still together as just force users before they split off into factions so i i really love that scene 
I really enjoyed the fight choreography between her and Ahsoka as well. But I, I, plot armor is a bitch sometimes because ain't no way I'm sitting there with a force imbued sword versus like my quote unquote mortal enemy and letting two little Padawans or as actually, is Ezra a knight? Did Ezra ever get knighted? Yeah, he's, he did. He's full knight. He's okay, so it, see two little no, weaklings. Well, he's a Boken Jedi. It's he, they, you know, they use that term Boken Jedi. He's a Boken Jedi. He is a full Jedi, but he is trained non traditionally. Yeah, so there's no way I let those two walk walk behind me, walk past me. You know, we've seen we've seen that happen before, though. We've seen like somebody, you know, is like, I got this, and then the other person runs off. We see that a lot in Star Wars. They like their one on ones. Uh, they 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 do those quite often. I do like that. Morgan was able to destroy one of Ahsoka's sabers. I, I think it showed her skill. And we've seen her skill before. We saw that she was really good with that Beskar spear back in The Mandalorian. Uh, so we saw like a preview of her actually being a warrior. She's not just a, a force-wielding witch lady or witch descendant. Uh, she actually had some skill, you know, in hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't too incredulous at the fact that she was going toe-to-toe with Ahsoka because we've seen her do it before. And now she has more powers, more abilities. The force is flowing through her. Her sword is glowing green with the Night Sister magic. I mean, she's she's definitely got some some powerful tools on her side. Plus the zombie troopers. The zombie troopers was really cool. Shout out to Joe Schreiber, one of my favorite Star Wars authors, for uh, doing the uh, the Death Troopers book. That's that. It it only reminded me of that. I was actually so happy to see that. Why didn't they just cut their limbs off and stuff? Come on, Disney, just cut cut off the heads. Like stop stop hitting them in places that aren't going to be you know fatal, quote unquote, to a zombie. Like cut off their legs so they can't come after you. No one ever uh, explained zombie zombie theory crafting to the jedi of the star wars universe apparently blasters didn't even leave a mark on the zombies either because like i was watching some of it and it just it hit them they'd go down you wouldn't even see like burn mark or anything so i did not notice that i didn't notice that they didn't have the burn marks i I mean obviously noticed that they didn't really go down but i didn't i didn't notice that they didn't have burn marks that's an interesting interesting point those two actual death troopers the the ones in black armor which i think was either beskar or cortosis uh because of the sound it made when they got hit them being zombies was cool watching a a death trooper with half a face choking out sabine like that's a crazy crazy scary uh scene right there i mean i would be terrified if there's a dude with a half a face and his like guts and tongue and throat and everything are just like dripping out of his helmet that's disgusting it's also my new kink yeah what's my new kink it's my new kink are you telling me you wouldn't want to get choked out by a zombie Uh... (laughs) nah i'm gonna pass on that one chief i'm not that's a way to go it's death on death Mm, delicious what do you think uh, Shin's plan or Shin's like next steps are when she ended up at that like raider camp and raised her saber? You think she was like trying to take over the camp? You think she was trying to join the camp and telling them she was a friend or something? Like, what what do you think she was 100% doing? Hundred percent take over. Yeah, I think she's about to okay. slaughter them. Honestly, I think she's about to pull an Anakin v Tuscan Raiders. She's like, "You failed me. I'm about to kill all of you. We should have taken them out, and now I look bad." Okay. I didn't think that she was gonna get left. Honestly, I did. I did. When she ran away uh, from that fight with Ahsoka, I was like, oh, she's gone. She's done. She's stuck here on this planet. She's going to have to go find Balin again and be like, please, Master, please let me join you. He's going to be like, you're too ambitious. Or maybe Bonk Bonk's theory is correct and she's going to go back and find him and be upset because she's stuck on the planet and finally kill him. Yeah. 
that's that's totally viable the question is you know she was given the offer to join ahsoka and then maybe maybe that will be the thing maybe she's like torn in the next uh the next season maybe she's torn between choosing being you know composed and light side or just full ambition power i want it all kind of thing it was tough watching her get abandoned by her master when clearly she's like super attached to him she doesn't do anything without his permission anytime she's confused about anything she asks him a question about it she's she's very tied to her master and the fact that he's just like go off don't be uh too hasty good luck and just drops her right there. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be tough for for somebody, especially in a different galaxy, like no way home except for Thrawn, and he's trying to leave. Yeah, dude, I get freaked out when I get left at a Walmart five miles from my house. Can't imagine being in a whole different galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be terrifying. I think she might pull a Zek because Zek was with the the Shadow Academy for a while, like very firmly on the dark side, and then like got redeemed and still couldn't be with the jedi so he does his own like kind of soul searching goes through the motions of different stuff that he wants to be and then eventually comes back i think it would be cool if she did something like that like because she is firmly on the dark side right now for the most part or at least teetering uh from there and now she's confused so she has no more direction and like you said ahsoka did leave that offer out there for her and so it's very possible that you know she considers it at least tries to change her direction, but ultimately ends up doing that. So I would believe that because, I mean, if Zek can do it, then so can she. Because I feel like Zek, Zek was farther gone than she is right now because Zek killed a bunch of people, attacked Yavin 4 with the Second Imperium and the Shadow Academy. So we don't have any like history of what she's done. So she could be like firmly on that path we've only seen her do a few things like choking out sabine you know in retaliation for getting her butt whooped and then attacking you know ahsoka and them and being hasty about it but i, I don't we haven't really seen her do a ton she would have been very out of place if she had gone back the the night sisters and her were not getting along there were definitely tension vibes going on there and i don't think thrawn honestly wanted her back i think he thinks the jedi and sith both are just uh too volatile too unpredictable for him to use as like effective tools in his plan the sisters are different because he has something they want which is a way back to the galaxy and now they're kind of indebted to him because he's bringing them to dothamir and whatnot but shin i mean he could send her on a mission and she could just say no peace i'm gonna turn you know i'm gonna give all your plans up i'm actually gonna go to the good side i've changed my mind i'm i'm, I'm a jedi now they're just too unpredictable for thrawn to use and thrawn would not like a tool like that and he does think of everyone as tools everyone is just a, a tool in his tool toolbox like those the stormtroopers and whatnot and you know i'm actually glad that you that you brought him up too because he's what i kind of want to like the last topic that i want to talk about for um today is just thrawn as th like we get to see his true like like not not his true military might but a glimpse at how smart he is the guy will take a calculated loss and even like an uncalculated loss not flinch for a moment and still make the best possible plan now he did flinch at the one moment when he found out <laughs> who who ahsoka's master was which is why i'm excited to see him get back to the other galaxy and find out about luke but i mean absolute like tactical genius that's something that i've always admired about thrawn and i i, I want him to get back to the universe link up with Pelayan, 
like we know he does in legends i want to see the imperial remnant the the first order whatever you call it i want to see what happens like how the first order comes about completely or how thrawn influences the first order or what happens to the imperial remnant because one thing that i loved about the legends timeline was the redemption of the empire you know uh same thing happens they get fractured after palpatine goes kaput uh, they, there's a bunch of warlords trying to claim territory. Moff's going crazy. Thrawn comes back and get them get them under a flag, under one flag once again. But then he gets a, defeated eventually. So they they splinter again, go off to their own imperial remnant, and kind of adopt a, a policy of isolationism as far as the galaxy is concerned. But when the threat of the Vong comes on comes back, because Pelayan is such a smart man and learned from Thrawn is willing to forego the imperial history to form the galactic alliance one like no no iteration of the galaxy had ever seen before that was something that i loved about the empire and i want to see if something similar will happen in canon because if that did that would be i mean that would feel like total complete fulfillment for me as far as the the empire is concerned i would love to see that i think i think it would have to be during ray's movie the future yeah oh absolutely because absolutely yeah we've seen the the first order fall we've seen that they're not going to to join with the the new republic obviously they try and you know take over destroy they destroy like five inner core planets i mean they're definitely not friends at all and i don't think thrawn would ever would ever kind of go that route either it would have to be in Ray's timeline that there's some galactic threat that that needs to be dealt with. We'll see. That's like years in the future. I'm excited. I'm I'm definitely excited. I wanna. I want them to. I, they've got to have a season two, or they've got to have another series that follows up on Ahsoka. But I'm really excited to see what happens because I really want to know what happened to Ahsoka by the time the sequel trilogy comes around. Because you know we don't know at the moment we'll find out the the feloni movie is it's going to tie it all together including I'm skeleton s- crew which hasn't come yet i'm so excited also one one point that i wanted to to mention to you and see what your thoughts on it so you know how ahsoka has the recordings of anakin with like the lightsaber stuff and what <laughs> if she because we know she goes and talks to luke at least one or two times what if she showed those to Luke and that's how Luke became such like a, a bona fide or, or part of how he became like a, a bona fide lightsaber master. I wonder what he would think of, of getting to see the footage of his his father because he doesn't really get that in in Legends Timeline. He gets a few of Obi-Wan from the archives, but not of his father. What do you think about that? That's a That's a good point. I don't know, maybe, but I feel like... I don't know, man. I'm, I I want to know what made Luke so afraid, um, like in the future, you know, so afraid that he's willing to like almost kill his, Kylo just to keep him from potentially going down the wrong path, you know, even just for a split second. What what things did he learn? What does he know that that caused him to be so afraid for for his new Jedi Order? It would be interesting if he's seen those those recordings. And there's more that we've only seen the one. There's could be plenty of other information that that he imparts in those recordings, and he may already have them because Ahsoka has already met with him at this point. This is after yeah. she she's met with Grogu and and Luke. So there's a good chance he may have seen them. I mean, she would want to impart that knowledge to him. He isn't master, but he's the only master, so he kind of gives himself the 
the role unless i mean yoda's like oh you're a master now you know through the force ghostiness mm-hmm. um yeah we'll see and maybe even anakin's ghost will appear to him well we don't know it would be definitely cool to see luke again in that uh Filoni movie although i'd prefer if we didn't i prefer if other people resolved the galaxy's problems rather than just bringing in luke in like the grand finale where he destroys all the robots hey i still love that scene honestly it was so good. It was so good. It was very good. I just don't want it to happen again. It was awesome. I just don't want it to happen again. Like it's uh, some trope that they're just going to throw in. Oh, the big bad's here. Everything's going to shit. Bring in Luke. Bring in Luke. Luke's here. He's back. Look at that X-Wing. Here comes that X-Wing. Also, can we just appreciate the fact that in like, I don't know, like a four year span, the amount of Mandalorian Jedi in the galaxy just kind of skyrocket in Phantasmally from zero to two. Do you know what that curve looks like? It's straight up, brother. <laughs> hey, do you know Mind who my favorite Mandalorian she... Jedi is? Is it Cat? No. Or is it Jusik? No. I guess technically it's not a Mandalorian, but is a Jedi trained in the Mandalorian ways? <laughs> Jaina? Jaina f***ing Solo. <laughs> She's not Mandalorian. Not even a oh, little bit. Okay, but she was trained Mandalorian, so that's counts. like me watching a video of a guy on, on YouTube using a, a broadsword. I'm now a, a medieval knight, okay. which is bullshit. You could though. I'm Absolutely not a medieval bullshit. knight just because I watched a video about some fighting. You can't prove that in a court of law. <laughs> I, I definitely think I could. <laughs> uh, well, any uh, any last points here that we want to mention before we tie off the main episode? Ezra in the stormtrooper armor. I, okay, plot armor is I was mad about that. Okay, so so I have, I, yes, because I have two theories about that. One, plot armor is and I'm pissed because how the does he escape a regiment like Thrawn's on, a, on an Imperial shuttle and get out? Or two, he, it's exactly like I thought and Thrawn and Ezra are together and this is part of the plan. It would be a callback to the first episode, the very first scene. Where, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think because I one of my predictions that I made in the in the first episode was that Thrawn and Ezra are like in league. Like, because there's no way they've been there for that long and haven't interacted. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And when I saw that scene, it just didn't make any sense because I know I know how Thrawn operates. Either either that ship is tracked, and like Thrawn knows, or like Thrawn's in league with Ezra in some manner because it just how like i don't understand how that he would make it it just doesn't make any sense he's it's it's got something's up the ship was definitely jarring for me like i him in the stormtrooper armor him impersonating a stormtrooper classic as but the the ship i was very confused when he pulled up in a shuttle i was like how did he get off the chimera without dying and and why isn't thrawn worried about it at all why isn't he mentioning like, oh shit, we brought Ezra back with us. I'm screwed again. But you're you're right. He totally could be in league. He just the way he acted seemed like classic Ezra. He seemed completely the same. So if he is on Thrawn's side, Ezra is like the best actor there is. Ezra also wasn't really questioning Sabine on like how she got there. She'd just say it's complicated. And he's like, okay, we'll talk about something else. That's pretty characteristic of Ezra though, honestly. He trusts her. It is a little sus. It it definitely is a little sus, but that is true to Ezra's character at least. I can I can verify that. But I just don't yeah, I just don't it don't make sense that he was able to sneak off the Chimera with no consequences. Like none. And he's just escorted in by two A-wings. It's like 
Would he send out a Jedi code just like Balin did? Like, come on. And then he pulls up and they don't know it's him when he steps out. They're confused. So Chopper did, did. tell them to... I know Chopper knows. Chopper knows. But why did War didn't, criminals recognize they... war criminals. That's what it is. <laughs> game recognize game, mother... <laughs> what 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 transmission did he send to to let them for them to allow him to land or maybe that was the shuttle that Bayland used and it, i don't know man yeah it's just weird that that was definitely a weird a weird moment but him in the trooper armor that's classic ezra yeah because he does it twice in rebels i'm pretty sure if not more yeah he and he's got like a collection of of helmets and whatnot I mean, that's his his shtick. All right, everyone. Well, that has been our main episode, episode five, Ahsoka part two. Thank you guys so much for being here and listening. We really appreciate it. But this has been The Force Unscripted. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you on the next one.